This past Sunday, a young Catholic filmmaker named Cameron O'Hearn of Horse Lord Films released his first episode in a trilogy uh, called Mass of the Ages. And he has a, you know, a really successful YouTube channel, too. But um, we just wanted to do some quick comments on um, that film, our initial reactions. And, and as we move through the trilogy, we'll elaborate on it a bit. But Yeah, I, and I hope more and more people continue to view it. I, I knew it was in the making uh, for a little over a year, mm-hmm. um, just because they did some filming here at our, at our parish. Yeah, yeah. So initial reaction is, well, actually, before we even start, there's a little juicy surprise in the film. <laughs> and that juicy surprise is sitting across from me. That's right. Dan Allspack, he sits two feet away from me, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you zoom in on the, the funeral part, uh, Dan is... Uh, if Requiem Mass, yeah, I'm uh, emceeing the Latin Requiem uh, Mass with our pastor, Father Tom. <laughs> so I make a nice cameo in, into the film. It's hilarious. Never thought I'd see Dan and Taylor Marshall in the same film, but uh, things got <laughs> weird. they are. Things happened. So uh, initial reaction is... Uh, from my perspective, I know you share the sentiment, is that we needed this. Mm-hmm. The traditional Latin mass community needed this. It needed to have this emotional, um, beautiful appeal. Ad. Yeah. An advertisement for, right. for, for our for <laughs> Better our press. Tradition. Yeah, right. <laughs> better press. Because I'll tell you what, if, if we had something like this uh, years ago, even pre-Benedict, mm-hmm. um, Traditionis Custodius maybe never would have come out. Um, because it seems like in that document there's a lot of misunderstanding about who the kind of people are that attend the old rite. Yeah, I think this this documentary so far is doing a good job of blowing the lid off of the Latin Mass community and allowing, for the first time almost, the bishops to see this community for what it really is, instead of what they've thought it is, the straw man mm-hmm. that you find in Traditionis Custodes. You know, mm-hmm. it's that it's sort of crusty old people you know, on a little island in the diocese that, you know, the bishop leaves alone and lets them do their play thing, you know, until playtime is over. And they're, and they're, yeah, <laughs> and they're mad about it. Yeah. No, this this is showing what truly is happening, and that is a, the new generation is, for the first time, not reacting against the church and and uh, a church that, that they probably felt at the time uh, betrayed them. Mm-hmm. No, this new generation that is, is discovering the Latin Mass, the old rite, is doing it organically. Mm-hmm. They're rediscovering a tradition that was there, and they're not, they're not upset about it. They're not mad about it. They're yeah. just loving it. Yeah, I feel like the, the bishops, the current generation of the bishops, you know, their whole thing from their parents was everything, almost like the old saying behind every white picket fence was like a miserable family or something, you know, it's sort of the, the veneer of structure and stability and strength. But underneath that were all these things that no one talked about and there were problems. That was sort of the mentality they grew up with, you know, being raised under the great generations, two great gener- generations, you know. For us, it's the complete opposite. We're be- we were raised in a time that was complete instability, not even the veneer of stability. Um, so young people are coming to the Latin Mass and they're finding something that for the first time is ordering their life, mm-hmm. something that offers timelessness in, a, in, a, in an age where everything is changing all the time. It offers their children discipleship. Well, I think, I think it, and it comes off in the, in the film, is that authenticity is that word we often throw around. Mm-hmm. It's happening in every other facet of life that this new generation is looking for something that's authentic. You know, you look at the back of a, a, a chip bag, right? I want to see authentic ingredients. Right. Okay? Same thing when it comes to Catholicism. I'm Catholic. When I turn that bag over, I want to see authentic ingredients here. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want to see purgatory, <laughs> merits. 
<laughs> indulgences. I want to see Yeah. Um, 100% so, too. That's daily value. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's, I think that's the appeal. Appeal to the old right is, is mm-hmm. that um, it, it, it feels and it is authentic. Yeah. And I think the film is doing a really good job of doing that. And, and, and um, making Tradiciones Custodies and documents like it seem like it's talking past its audience rather than to it. And, and I think it's doing a good job of, of that. Yeah, and uh, traditionis is is what we can say maybe unnecessary. Yeah, because if 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 it's addressed to this kind of group, it's missing its mark. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what else does the film do do good in your eyes? Well, I I thought just to dive into it a little more specific, I thought um, the the section on when it's describing the prayers at the foot of the altar. So in the yeah. in the old rite, the priest and the and the two servers or any server. They have the recitation of Psalm 42 and then the Confidior together. And I loved how it was described as this time of slowing down and readying oneself to enter into the Mass. When you, know, when you think of the, the Novus Order or the, or the, the New Mass, the, the Mass that most Catholics are familiar with, the, the prayers at the foot of the altar are no longer there. So when you walk into, into church, maybe you're two minutes right before it begins or whatever, you're going right into it. In name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're, you're right into the right. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, or or you get that. Good morning, everybody. All are welcome, kind of thing. Yeah. But here, the the documentary is correct that the prayers of the foot of the altar um, have their place in the mass because it slowly allows us to get involved into the mass itself, but to come slowly into the divine presence, mm-hmm. to ascend with the priest into God's presence on the altar. So I thought it was a, a great way to explain it to slow us down. I mean. In our world today, fast pace, everything's mm-hmm. this, this, a text, mm-hmm. this, email right away. When you come to the mass, the world slows and time slows, mm-hmm. right? And time really goes away. Well, and it's just a proper it's it's a proper time for you to uh, take in what you're about to do and the gravity of it. And I think that's that's the the debilitating factor in the Novus Ordo, miss taking out this whole preparatory right of, of and see but see that's the thing that some some in, who support taking it out um they were saying well it doesn't really belong it's not part of the it's mass part proper, of the mass proper right? but this is showing that no it is appropriate right for how we approach the divine we do it with gravity we do it slowly and we approach god in that way and we acknowledge what we are exactly. before we do it because and that's the other thing too is that it <laughs> people will see like oh the old latin mass and the priests who like to do that they're just like they're tend to be pharisaic and hypocritical. But you look at what that priest is doing. He's saying, I'm not worthy to do what I'm about to do, and I know that. Mm-hmm. You know, So like, mm-hmm. give me grace that I may, and let the martyrs who are also here like give me grace that I may do what I'm about to do. So yeah. it's, yeah. But I, I thought that was great, too, in the film. The other thing I, I really liked about it, and we need more of this, is it, it addressed the misnomer that the Novus Ordo, the New Mass, the Mass of Paul VI, whatever you want to call it, um, is not just a translation mm. of the old rite. Still a lot of Catholics out there believe that when we say traditional Latin Mass, we mean, oh, the Mass that's just in Latin. So right. you, you hear it in English, you hear it in Spanish, whatever, you, whatever your language is, vernacular is. Um, and the Latin Mass is just, oh, people who prefer Latin. Right. A lot of Catholics still believe that. But, so, but see, and that's what plays into the straw man 
behind a traditionalist custodians. That that's what plays into that is because then people see the Latin mass community as sort of like these people who are like fixed, yeah, why fixated, are you so fixed? yeah, why? Like, yeah, fixated upon the Latin language or something. And and that's why it's even it was a dumb thing for all of us to do to call it the TLM in the first place to call it the traditional Latin I, I think Latin so mass. too. I, I think we're missing. I think it is now the term for it. So you you do you have just to do use it. it. Yeah. yeah. But to say it, it's the traditional Latin mass it misses the point, and it can it's a confusing right. way to describe it. We always prefer old use, ancient use, yes. something like that. Because old, because right? immediately when if someone who doesn't know much about theology, the church, or you know the, the mass itself, if they hear traditional Latin mass, they just think, oh, traditional, so it has a lot of bells and smells. And Latin, it's in Latin, yeah. but it's the mass. <laughs> you know? it's but really, but, it's but, but and so to getting getting to that point is that in the documentary they they rightly point out that. You know, eighty-three percent of the old right is unique to it. In other words, only seventeen percent or so of the old right orations show up in the new mass. Okay. That is, I, I want everyone to understand that. I mean, that is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. That that when we're doing all the rites of the Novus Ordo, we are limping along on only seventeen percent of the Latin tradition. Yeah, and so when you look at, you know, when you read uh, Pope Francis's Motu Proprio, and he says that the, the, the Mass of Paul VI, the new Mass, is uh, unique, or the, unique or the only expression of the Roman Rite, that's actually not true. The uniqueness mm -hmm. is in the old Rite. 83% of it was unique <laughs> right. to, the, to the Latin Rite. Um, and so that's kind of the, the catechesis that this documentary is starting to do that I'm, I'm glad it's doing because mm -hmm. that's the kind of catechesis we, we need and we've needed for, for decades. Oh, yeah. I also really enjoyed the part I was in. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, 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 did, I did actually like that section because um, talking about the Requiem Mass, the Requiem, the, the Latin Mass, mm. um, the gravity of it. Mm -hmm. And I have heard from so many people, even in our own parish, people who've actually come back to the faith. We've had atheists who've come back into the, into the church or just to the church for the first time because they attended a funeral, yeah, a Latin mass funeral or a requiem mass. To it, add to that, there was a person that, so um, our, our brother Tim, one of his brothers-in-law was at a Catholic funeral and these are evangelicals. They don't know, you know anything about um, the Catholic thing. So they were at a funeral and I think it was actually their grandpa. They were at their grandpa's funeral who is Catholic. And after they walked away, now this is the type of people that you would never hear a single thing that is like positive about the Catholic church. But, but the, even he said, he looked at him and he said, you know what? Those Catholics, they know how to, they know how to do a funeral though. Yep. <laughs> they know, know how to bury their like, dead. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that came across really well in the documentary. Yeah. Uh, just the gravity of what we're doing and the beauty of, of taking care of our brothers and sisters who have died. And I think that that actually worked really well, uh, just from a, a from a production standpoint, uh, story story writing standpoint mm -hmm. um, with the Catholic influencer and blogger who lost her husband mm -hmm. uh, because the whole thing just showed th this is what it looks like like this is what it looks like um, when a family has suffered unbelievable tragic loss mm -hmm. and they find they find meaning in it in the traditional rites of the church that the traditional rites of the church came as a safety blanket to hold them through that whole experience yeah and, it's, that was and it's not just anecdotal you've had some bloggers who are you know, writing against this documentary and saying, oh, you know, they use nostalgia and anecdotal evidence. Yeah, for it's all those old. It, but you know, but yeah. here's the thing, that family and their tragedy, I hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. And even the tragedy of being an atheist and coming back to the church because of the Latin Mass, because yeah. of going to a Requiem Mass or because of going to a Catholic funeral, 
that's all part of this. We hear it all the time. It's not just this one person. This is just encapsulating that whole narrative. And it speaks to our whole experience because spending seven or so more years in Anglicanism, the liturgical project becomes so exhausting. You, because Anglican, if anyone has gone through liturgical revision, after liturgical revision, after liturgical revision, it is literally the Anglicans since the 16th century. Yeah. It has been a constant battle back and forth between all these vying, like, you know, parties Low in the church, church, high church, broad church. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy. Cranmerians, non you know, it's it's just Oxford movement, you know, all these different movements in the Anglican church that are just doing whatever they want with their pet fancies of the liturgy, and it becomes so exhausting, you feel so unstable, and then finally, you know, you yeah, well, walked into a Latin mass, that's and what you were I'm like... Saying. Her, her family's story of finding stability and rest that that's my story of when yeah. i walked into the latin mass here i i took a, a deep sighing breath and said yeah. ah this is what i and been. i can finally this just rest I, I can rest i don't have to worry about anything in the church mm-hmm. this is what i was looking for that's what people experience yeah yeah because it's that's, pristine and yeah. it's perfect and that's what yeah. it is um one of the things i we don't know where the documentary is going now in two and three but one of the things i would point out um as a hopeful and maybe a negative to the first um, first part of this mm-hmm. is that I'm hoping it continues to be evangelistic. I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's not just an echo chamber for other traditional Catholics to love this documentary. Yeah, I really do hope it is drawing in and seeks to draw in uh, everyday Catholics, Catholics around the world who who only know the Novus Ordo, who only know the New Mass, mm-hmm. um, that they would rediscover their own faith through this documentary. I mean, that, that's the hope. I, I'm, I was a little concerned that the first episode may have been a little too much of an echo chamber, uh, mm-hmm. just speaking to itself. Yeah, which actually brings me to my, my critique, uh, first real critique of it, is that, okay, so you went through all this trouble, you know, to make this documentary, to put a new face on the community, you know, to show the community for what it really is, rather than the straw man, but... I'm, I have to ask, why is Taylor Marshall in this then, you know, as a, as a speaker? I mean, look, I don't wish any like, harm to the man or anything. It's just that when you're talking about trying to bring more people into this and to, to show people the more positive side of the traditional Latin mass community, it could be argued that Taylor Marshall is one of those top five personalities in the United States that has driven so much division. Like, yeah, well, he... <laughs> At the very least, we know, we all know he's a controversialist. Yeah, he he hones in on the controversies in the church and speaks about them. Fine, you know that's needed in the church, whatever. But when I was watching the documentary and then he showed up, I thought it was a bit odd. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, why is he in this? You know, because also who is missing from it are are personalities that you think would be like front and center. Like, why wouldn't you have Archbishop Cordelione? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of people in the hierarchy. A Cardinal Burke. Um, he was sort of in it, but you know, not like not a lot. And maybe you know? maybe they'll get to it, but yeah, based on the first episode, that's what I'm hoping is yeah. that they'll have more speakers in the hierarchy that have credentials, you know, to to speak to this too, because it's not just a bunch of lay people on the ground. You have so many people in the church in the hierarchy: Athanasius Snyder, mm-hmm. um, you know, even like the Raymond Arroyos of the world, um, Scott Hahn. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are authoritative figures. Uh, Patrick Madrid. Yeah. The other thing is that. I'm worried about the direction of it um, for episodes two and three because I hope that the conclusion of this whole journey is not going to be we need the Mass in Latin again only. You know, that that the Latin Mass is so pristine and perfect it can never be properly translated Mm -hmm. because it has been an it's been like kind of an elephant in the room in all of these conversations if you're just like a normal traditional catholic it, when you hear like a tratty and like a crazy liberal on the other side like going at each other and you're in the middle and you're like well 
you want it in English. You want everything preserved. Why didn't you just translate it into English? And I think yeah. a lot of people maybe would resonate with that. So I don't want them to go to that direction where they go the tratty direction and say it can never be translated properly. Yeah, it's not like that. I, I agree. I mean, it's not like that we're showing ourselves to be kind of moderate in the middle. It's more of we have seen good English liturgy yes. because we were Anglicans. That's right. And you go to high Anglican churches, the continuing Anglican churches, um, any high Anglican church, um, you'll find some of the great liturgies in ever in the English language. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our English language is set up to be a great liturgical language. Well, yeah. I mean, English as a language has proven itself throughout the centuries. Now, you may say, oh, through Protestantism, but whatever you want to say, but you're telling me the King James Version of the Bible and the Book of Common Prayer didn't do anything great for the English language? Of course it did. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it has proven its worth. Even before the Reformation, it proved its worth as a liturgical language. You get words like uh, atonement. You know, we've talked about this before. We're like, atonement is a theological word that exists in no other language except English. That was an English word, and yet we use it all the time mm-hmm. as if it's like always been here, you know. But even words like sanctification, propitiation, mm-hmm. uh, purgatory. I mean, we have per- we have properly translated these terms from yeah. Latin into English, and so English has proven its worth as both a theological and a liturgical language, especially in its we could say high Elizabethan form. You know, it's it's um, liturgical English. We won't say cran- <laughs> we won't say Cranmerian form. <laughs> But it has shown itself that way, and that's that's actually where you get even the Douay Reims Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that English is is stunningly beautiful. Yeah. Um, the English that's just in your Latin Mass Missal, like every time that you go to church and you open it up, like we've talked about that before. On the right side of the page is the translation. It's a beautiful translation. Well, that that's the other thing I think you're getting at here is the the other elephant in this room. Always when when we're talking to other Catholics who appreciate the Latin Mass, the ordinariate. Yes. What do you do with the ordinary? And what is the ordinary? I mean, there's there's gonna be a lot so, of people who have no idea. What yeah. That is. So the the ordinary is the um, the liturgy that is used by people who were formerly Anglicans and came into the Catholic Church again mm-hmm. under Pope Benedict, uh, thankfully, and they have their own liturgy that preserves the Roman rite, adds in um, some Cranmerian uh, uh, prayers. What was good about Cranmer? What was good about Cranmer? <laughs> yeah. Takes what's good about uh, the reformer Cranmer, and and puts it into the liturgy in, in an organic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that does belong there. But what's what's interesting um, about that is that w- what um, what's great about it is that Anglicans, high Anglicans, after the Oxford movement, had already started to, I don't want to say abandon, but in their own way of sort of Anglican liturgical abuse, they would start to just translate wholesale Latin texts of the Mass, of the sure. Rituale Romanum, of the Daily Office, into beautiful English. And they were just using that wholesale. Just, right. just like, they're, they're literally doing the Latin Mass in English yeah. <laughs> like in a lot of these parishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, okay, you know, bishops say, yeah, that's okay. You can do it. So what's funny is that when they said, hey, you can come into the Catholic Church now as, as Anglicans of, the, of this, like, Anglican use in a way, they brought with them. Roman Catholic translations of the Mass and all the rituals. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in some sense, you're like, it's right there. Yeah, so I, th- <laughs> I think what we're saying is that we're interested to see if the ordinariate is addressed mm-hmm. in this documentary. If they are, how do the makers of this documentary understand the ordinariate and view the Mass of the ordinariate? Yeah. I think that's something interesting that I would like to see come up in this. Uh, because you're going to get a lot of Catholics say, well, just take that old Mass and translate it then. Yeah. And the answer is, well, we have. It's called the Ordinariate. Mm-hmm. Or the 1965 Missal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, I think overall, though, this is a great, this is a great project. Mm-hmm. I fully support it. I hope 
everybody who listens to us also go, goes and watches this yep, and absolutely. tell tell others to watch it too yep. because it's very very important it'll show you what we have what we still have and what we've lost and maybe it'll give us a gut check as catholics but i i hope that it stays very invitational and evangelistic i just want that to be the tone yeah, i don't you. want it to go down the tratty yeah, rabbit hole thank you. thank you to the makers absolutely yeah. mass of the ages for sure